privilege over the last couple of days of being with your leadership, your elders and your pastors. I get to do this from time to time. Uh, my church family frees me up to participate in things like that. And they didn't ask me to say this, but I'm telling you, you have a wonderful group of pastors and elders who love this family dearly. They're not perfect men, but they really love Jesus. They're committed to his word, and they're committed to loving the family. And we had a sweet time together as we stimulated one another, talked through things, and it really has been my privilege to be among them. Well, this morning, I want to talk about where we find security in a very insecure world. And we're going to be in Ephesians, so if you want to turn there to Ephesians, I'm going to get there in just a second. Um, but I grew up with some principles that I thought provided the kind of security that many of us long to. I was raised in a home that taught if you work hard and make good choices, that you can have a confident and secure life. I graduated from high school like many of us have, and the valedictorian comes and gives that speech, and one of the phrases that you hear over and over is, you can be whoever you want to be. Don't let anything stand in your way. So I graduated from high school sort of with that mentality. Hard work, good moral choices, and my life would be okay. Well, a few months later, I went away to college and began to find that principle unraveling a little bit. See, coming from a tiny little church, I didn't make friends very easily. I went to school, a Christian school, as a music major, thinking how privileged this school was to have me come, until I found that most of the rest sang way better than I did. I went to play sports, only to find that I was the second shortest on a team of basketball players and didn't get to play very much. I began to learn about dating, and that's a whole insecure journey in and of itself. Got poor grades my first year. So off to a difficult start about living out that principle that I had embraced. So 40 years later brings us to about now. And over that time, I've learned more and more things that make this an insecure world. I enjoy listening to a preacher who happens to be the president of a seminary in the South. His name's Al Mohler. And over the last six months, I began to write down some of the things that he spoke about. Because what he would do is he would take world events, national events, and process them through a Christian worldview to a biblical worldview. And let me just share a few of them that he addressed over the time. Over the last six months, you can imagine that terrorism was often on his agenda. We live in a world that's just not safe far away anymore. We live in a world that's becoming less and less safe, even closer to home. We live in a country where you wouldn't think so, but racism is still alive. It's still real. We live in a culture that almost prides itself in disrespect of authority. We live in a nation where our politicians 
don't necessarily speak truth, are not people of character. And it's confusing of how we are led in this nation. We live in a country where financial matters aren't all stable. There is insecurity economically. We live in a culture that flaunts abortion and teaches it as a good thing. I live in a part of the country where earthquakes are very, very real. And we've been told that we don't just have a normal imminent earthquake, but we have a real imminent earthquake coming. Hurricanes. Um, things that uh, like euthanasia that are being approved by different states where we can make a choice to end a life. And it has gotten so wicked that in some European countries, and I fear not to follow here too long, is they are now euthanizing certain children with the blessings of parents when they are born and they have chronic diseases that they may not survive. They've made it legal to euthanize some of those children. We live in a country that is so confused about the gay, lesbian, transgender agenda. We live in a culture of same-sex marriage. Gender identity, what word was that 20, 30 years ago? It didn't exist where there is confusion about gender, even to the point that in certain states, having to deal with who can use what bathroom based on how somebody might feel that way about what their gender is. How crazy have we become? What level of wickedness? It draws my attention to Isaiah chapter 5 where the prophet wrote, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. We have major things that lead to insecurity in this culture. But as major as those, I have my own insecurities that are just about me. I get insecure about my weight. I get insecure about some physical ailments that I have that at times embarrass me. I get insecure about what if I make a big mistake as a pastor? What if I give bad counsel? What if I don't have the right answer? And you would think at 60 this wouldn't matter, but what if people don't like me? We all have insecurities that are like that. Things that are ready to throw me out of balance and have me grab on to the wrong things. Now don't get me wrong. I still believe in hard work and good choices. I teach that to my children. But what's been changing in me over the years is a difference of where I place my security. I'd love to tell you that I no longer place my security in those things, but I'm still tempted there. What's changing is I more and more place my security in something different, which is where I want to go with you today. Open up again, if you haven't already, to Ephesians 1. In Ephesians 1, Paul, the writer of this letter, is going to share with us some key phrases and principles of who we are in Christ. I want to draw you today away from the insecurities of this world 
to the security of what it means to be in Christ. He's going to tell us that in chapter 1, but before we do, I'm going to jump to chapter 2. Jump over one book and one more major insecurity that I would like to share with you. And this was one that was true of all of us at one time, and still true of anyone that hasn't yet given their life to Christ. Paul says this, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in, the phrase for us, the sons of disobedience. Verse 3, among whom we also once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature, listen to this, children of wrath, the object of the Creator's wrath, like the rest of mankind. That was our state before Christ. What insecurity to be in that place. What insecurity those who don't know Christ live with that at this very moment. But the next words in verse 4 are this, but God. But God being rich in mercy with the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, what did he do? He made us alive in Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he's raised us up with him. He seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that is who we are now as believers. And go back to chapter 1 and we're going to go to verse 3. I'm going to give you out of this passage eight things. Eight ways that we are in Christ. Now as you listen to these, these are not things that we acquire over time. These are not things that we grow in as we mature as believers. All eight of these are things that happened in an instant. In a moment in time, when God made us alive in Christ and we responded to the gospel, all of these were instantly there, fully there, and are never going to be any more the rest of my life than they were on that day when I responded to the gospel. So the first one in verse 3 is, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and here's what he's done, who has blessed us in Christ. In Christ, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Everything we need for life at the moment we became in Christ, we were blessed with every spiritual blessing. The second one in verse 4, even as he chose us in him. We are chosen in Christ. Why are we chosen by him? That's a question. Why would he choose you and I? I think 1 John 4 says this, In this is love. Not that we loved God, but rather that he loved us and sent his son. That's a love that is beyond my comprehension that he would love me. When did he do this? When did he choose me? It says, this is really confusing now, he chose me before the foundations of the world. Before this world was created, if you are in Christ, he chose you before that time. Again, beyond my comprehension, that before the creation as we know it began, 
we were chosen in Christ. And for what purpose did he do that? So that we should be holy and blameless before him. The next one, the third one that I would give to you is in the next verse. In love, he predestined us for adoptions as sons. In chapter 2, it talked, talked about us being sons of disobedience. And he's moved us from that to being adopted and predestined to be adopted as sons. That idea means that if he adopted us at that moment, before then we were our orphans. And he just didn't adopt the cream of the crop, did he? He adopted us. I have a friend named Cindy, probably about 40 years old, was a rebel growing up and didn't give her life to Christ until a young adult. At that moment, she made a decision that she was going to adopt children. The latest one she adopted was a little Chinese boy about a year ago. He had been brought over by his mom and dad from China to this country one week before they gave birth to him. They did that because they had been told their child had a disease and that they knew as parents that the medical over there would not be sufficient for that child to live. They brought the child over here, gave birth, left the child at a fire station and went back to China. Cindy found out about this, this child with chronic illnesses. She says, I'm going to adopt you and invest my life loving you. That's the closest picture I have as to the Heavenly Father through Christ predestining me for adoption. Me, the wicked man that I am with so many things in my past, predestined to adopt me as his child. The next one, verse, uh, in verse 7, it says that we ha- in Christ we have redemption. That's what we, Brian was talking about, that blood was essential for that. That that redemption, that blood, would satisfy a Heavenly Father's wrath directed towards us and give us instead a wonderful inheritance. It says, in Christ we have Forgiveness of sins, the fifth one there. And the the forgiveness is so profound. A, A recent example would be is, I think next week I close on refinancing my house. I will, when I go back this week, I will sit with a notary and I will sign page after page after page, probably about 40 or 50 pages, that will be a certificate of debt. All of that paperwork will be to protect the lender against me. In Colossians 1, it talks about God canceled my certificate of debt that was due to him through the blood of Jesus Christ. I could never pay that debt off, just like I can't write a check for the debt that I will have on the refinancing of my house. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, my certificate of debt was forever canceled. That's what forgiveness is. In verse 8, it says, according to the riches of his grace, end of verse 7 to the beginning of verse 8, which he lavished upon us. In Christ, we have a grace that is given to us in a manner that is lavished on us by the Heavenly Father. 
when about 30 years ago, when my oldest daughter, who lives in Vancouver now, was born, I was in the room during the C-section. And after she was born, a few minutes after they cleaned her up, they put this thing in my hands. I had never held a baby before. And I'm holding this life, my first child. And I can't describe all the emotions that I had. But I know in that moment, I wanted to lavish everything I had on that precious little girl. Now, my daughter's taken advantage of that over the years. But, but that's just what I didn't have to do. It just was within me. And if I wanted to lavish that kind of love on my daughter, it just gives me a glimpse of God the Father lavishing His grace, that which I do not deserve, lavishing it upon me. The next one is in verse 11. In Jesus Christ, we have obtained an inheritance. I had no inheritance before I belonged to Christ. Actually, I did have an inheritance. My inheritance was the wrath of God. Eternal suffering and punishment. That was my inheritance. He exchanged it for an inheritance of being in His presence and enjoying His glory for all eternity. I was given that. I didn't do anything to merit that. In Christ... I have been given that. The eighth one, in verse 13. It says, in verse 13, Once I believed in Him, I was sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. God placed a seal, a protection around me that cannot be penetrated from the outside or by me from the inside. That forever, eternally, my inheritance is guaranteed based on who he is and his faithfulness, not on my performance. So who I am in Christ, I am blessed, I am chosen, I am predestined for adoption, I am redeemed, I am forgiven. I am lavished with grace. In him I obtain an inheritance and am sealed by his Holy Spirit. Let me say it another way. See, you and I were cursed, and he blessed us. We were sinners, and he chose us. We were orphaned, and he adopted us. We were imprisoned, and he redeemed us, purchased us back. We were guilty, he forgave. We were without mercy over here, and we were lavished with grace. We were destitute and instead given an inheritance. We were unsealed. We were bare. We were exposed. We were vulnerable. And He sealed us with His Holy Spirit. When did all this happen? It happened in a second of time. I did nothing to merit a single one of those. I'm not doing anything today to increase one of those. But because I am in Christ, I have every one of those things. Can that ever be reversed? Well, if I had contributed to it, yes. But because I didn't contribute to that, and it was given to me in Christ, it can never be taken away.
Now, as I live out my life, I still want to live in a place that is safe. I don't want to go through an airport wondering, might something happen or does somebody look suspicious or that backpack is laying down over there. I want to live in a place where skin color doesn't matter. I want my kids to go to school where teachers and administrators are respected. I want to be in a country where its politicians can be trusted, that they have integrity and dignity. I want to grow older in a place that is not out of control financially. I want to have good health. I, I don't want to live in a place where abortion is the norm. I don't want to go through another earthquake. I don't want legalized drugs around my kids. I don't want a culture being driven by a gay, lesbian, transgender agenda. I don't want to say something stupid. I don't want to be overweight. I don't want to make a dumb mistake as a pastor. And all of those things you're okay to want. They're terrible things in which to place my security. See, my security doesn't come from a good book on self-esteem. My security doesn't come from my family, from my friends. It doesn't come from what I possess, what I own. My security doesn't come from what others think. My security doesn't come from what I think about myself. My security comes from one place and one place alone, and that's who I am in Christ. That is the only thing that provides security and the hope and peace that accompanies that. So who are we in Christ? We are blessed. We are chosen. We are predestined for adoption. We are redeemed. We are forgiven. We are lavished with grace. We are given an inheritance. And we are sealed by His Spirit. Now to protect us from making us think that all this is about us, it isn't. Three times in those sections of eight things that I gave you, it says, all of this is to the praise of His glorious grace. To the praise of His grace. That's why we are in Him and enjoy and possess all these things, not first for our sake, but for His sake and His glory. Turn a couple letters forward to the book of Colossians, and I want to wrap us up there in Colossians chapter 1. In verses 13 of chapter 1, it sort of packages what we have just gone through together. In verse 13, Paul says these words, He, Jesus Christ, has delivered us from the domain of darkness. We belonged, we were possessed by the domain of darkness and by the blood of Christ, we were delivered from that. And it didn't stop there. We were transferred into something very special. We were transferred into the kingdom of God's beloved Son. And by nothing that we did. But simply because we are in Christ, we are moved from here to here completely secure. That's where my security comes from, and it finishes that sentence, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Let me give you 
one more, not just one more, let me give you the best reason for our security, and it's in those verses that follow, verses 15 through about 20. This is speaking about who Jesus Christ is. This, these five verses tell us who this Christ is, who we are in. And think of who this one is and relate it to our security or insecurity. This is who we are possessed by. This is who we belong to. This is the one who is charting our future, who holds our very soul in his hands. This is the one these verses write about. Look at verse 15. He, Jesus Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Firstborn doesn't mean birth, it means position. He is preeminent in all creation. This is the one who we are in. Verse 16 now, listen to this. For by Him, Jesus Christ, all things were created. Everything ever seen, experienced, every person you've ever met, every wonder you've ever seen, all without exception, was created by Jesus Christ. This is the one who I and you are in. We were all, all things were created by him in heaven, on earth, visible or invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities. All rulers and authorities that are exist were created by God. All things were created through him and for him. Let me summarize that. Everything was created by Him, Jesus Christ. Everything was created through Him, Jesus Christ. And everything was created for Him, Jesus Christ. This is who we are securely placed in. Verse 17 even adds to that. He is before all things. In other words, before anything existed, He was before he was before all things, and in him, listen to this, all things hold together. Everything that exists is held together by Jesus Christ. I, I say the words, and I hear the words, and it's so hard to comprehend. How my body functions and exists is held together by Jesus Christ. Now, an engineer would say this building is held together by how these beams go together. I get that. But the physics behind it is held together by Jesus Christ. In Him, all things hold together. Verse 18, He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. For in Him... All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile all things to himself, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by his blood on the cross. We sang earlier today, show us your glory and show us your power. I tell you, I drive across that river every time I get land in Portland and cross the river into Vancouver. I am blown away by the power of that river. I live next to a river in Santa Clarita called the Santa Clara River, and two months out of the year, there's a brook that runs through that. I'm in awe of the power of that river. But that pales in comparison to the awe and power 
of Jesus Christ who is described in Colossians right there. That is who we are in and that is where our security lies and must be anchored to. Father in heaven, help us take your words of truth. Help us wrestle with what it really means that we are in you, the creator and sustainer of all things. You have blessed us in so many ways. Help us take the words of your page that is life itself and apply them and force our lives to pass through them so that our security would more and more be in you and less and less of the things of this world. In Jesus' name.